following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Genesis RPG Podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system for Fantasy Flight Games. A show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the players and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning. With me, as always, are my co-hosts of Extraordinary Character, Stefan and Chris. How are you doing, fellas? Starting with you, Stefan. I'm doing awesome. Uh, just sad that my latest Dragon Star game got cancelled, but things happen when players have little babies that they have to take care of, but it allows me to work still more on my setting, little de- details I want to set up and convert from the 3.5 to Genesis. But things are moving along. Cool. And you, Chris? Roll initiative. That's how I started my <laughs> D&D campaign on a Saturday night. <laughs> because awesome. at the end of last session, the session before last, the ranger got swallowed by a frog moth. So that's how we started the. So that's how we started the session. It was pretty fun, and they loved the chili pulled pork. So you had to throw some food in there. Did the smoke pulled pork? Threw it in the chili. How about you, Tony? <laughs> oh, I've been try chomping at the bit for the new keyboard Keyforge expansion. Went to a Keyforge game tonight. Lost my ass. <laughs> and it what? Uh, it sucked. What? Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> Hairy, fuzzy monkey balls. There it is. So, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, no, on top of that, I'm getting ready for uh, NIFCON 3 next week. So I'm f- putting the finishing touches on my uh, Kung Fu Panda Aww. adventure. And I have a full game now, five players. Oh, excellent. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait nice. for that. It's going to be great. So, that um, will be good. Yeah. Looking we got quite the show. We got the quite show tonight, don't we? Yes. So we're gonna so we're gonna rip through this. Which is what? What's the name of the show? Tales of the Excel- Epsilon Eclipse. Bar folk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking. Who can find species. the Epsilon? Yes. Who can you find at the Epsilon Eclipse? Yeah. Who are the regulars? Who can you play? <laughs> Who can you be? Those kinds of things. That's it. So we got a little bit of news, don't we, Stefan? A little bit of news. So good news is. Uh, is the Ready Fight by Keith Capel, uh, the fighting uh, combat um, supplement, unarmed combat especially, is now up to Electrum bestseller on Drive Through RPG. Mm-hmm. All thanks to our podcast, of course, when he was on on the of show. Of course, and, all our fault. <laughs> and didn't he? And then and he won like the first month of the the Foundry thing. Yeah, right. Isn't that what? Yep, exactly. What was that called again? Competition, uh, Genesis Foundry Spotlight. The Spotlight. article Spotlight. by by uh, Sam Gregor Stewart over mm-hmm. at FFG. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a real nice complimentary article to Keith, and you know Keith was a great guest on our show. Oh yeah, and uh, that supplement truly deserves the spotlight 
for month one. I agree. That's it. So. Exactly. No. Congrats. Congratulations, Tim. Our our podcast may have helped and wasn't maybe the, the, the sole factor, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure what he had in there did it all on its own. Yay! That's golf clap. Yay. <laughs> clap. And another news is that the um, the people at the four or four four zero four games who created the Starcana setting. Uh, now released a PDF to help manage things when you're creating a new setting, simply called the Setting Notebook. Uh, available on DriveThruRPG. I got it myself just to look through it. Uh, only two ninety five, and it has all the basic stuff that you need when you want to do a setting yourself and what what covers it and a few blank sheets that you can fill out. Uh, the only critique I would have was more an aesthetic on my end. Mm-hmm. Would they use some bright colors of bright red and yellow. and Yeah, maybe they could have toned that down. Maybe use a print-friendly version. Or maybe just use the colors, the same colors that the core book uses. Blue and orange and a bit of gray here and there. But gotcha. that's just me. That's just me. I'm surprised uh, you found it. <laughs> Do you know what 404 is? Oh, yeah, okay, that's right, you guys. So HTML status code 404 is not found. So, yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's, that's what it means. I, it I did find it. So you did find it. Yay! <laughs> awesome. So there I you go. I think I need a translator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's technical speak for their Tony. <laughs> Tony, just just press reset. You're gonna move your bits and bytes and <laughs> okay, <whatever>. bye. <laughs> just do just do a power bites. reboot. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's all right. Good, so dude. I have no listener feedback I want to highlight. We did get some, and we'll get to it next episode, but we've got such a busy show, mm-hmm. I'd like to devote as much time to that as possible today, so skip me. Moving on. Alright. <laughs> well, let's um, let's get into our next section of the show then, real quick. Welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where Chris uses his internet foo, goes out, and wrangles up something special to share with you folks. Today, he's got something futuristic, cool, sci-fi-ish. What you got, bud? It's out there, a ways, if you want. Not a galaxy far, far away or anything like that. But um, I'm talking about the Halo Genesis setting by Macho Madness that I found out on the um, out on the Genesis forums, and it's like 45 pieces of awesomeness. I like it because you know I played through a couple of the, the first couple Halo games, right? 45 pieces or pages? Pieces. Well, oh, pages of awesome. That's right. Don't want to cheat them on the 50 pieces I mean, of don't awesome. Cut the man his don't want to get five pieces well, short. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, first off, I have to say Playable Covenant races. Hello. That's a win for me, personally. Yeah. And then, so there is something on page 19 I want to I wanna describe really quick. It's a great concept that could maybe potentially be used in really any setting, but I liked how he, how he flavored it for this. Um, He's got this table called Skulls, and you roll a D, D100, 
And at the very beginning of the session, and these effects take place over the course of this session. So say you roll a 1 through 15, it's called a grunt birthday party. So for the entire session, grunts explode with confetti on headshots, <laughs> causing oh, five man. blast damage. Like it's it did in Halo fun. 3. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it seems like just something fun to add. So I won't go into really a whole lot of details, but he's got like probably a almost maybe a dozen of these different things that you can roll up. Um, one is called Cowbell. For the entire session, the blast quality can be activated with one advantage. So okay. I've got a fever, <laughs> and really the only solution is more cowbell. Um, other than that, I mean, the gear looks pretty solid. Um, some tweaking. He also has a, um, a universe map on, on his Google Drive up there as well, and a printer-friendly version of, the, of, the, um, of this supplement that he created. So that yeah, looks good. Yeah, it does. It really does. Now, I'm I'm not one to say like how accurate the map is or anything like that, but it's a map and it looks great. Like you said, Stephanie. Pretty cool. I don't know if you guys had a chance to take a look at it and have anything else to add, but for the most part, well done. Well done, yeah. Macho yeah. Madness. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Is that stuff for adversaries and the vehicles that you can find that's always always cool mm-hmm. to have already done so there you go yep there is a, awesome. there is an impale quality which yeah, I, w- <laughs> I, w- I wanted to say you should probably bring that up that's kind of cool that is pretty sweet okay so this is a weapon with the impale quality can be activated to inflict extra damage so a spike grenade is fashioned with spikes so that it can stick to people now when oh, i played okay. halo i sucked I would always <laughs> drop grenades on myself <laughs> instead of like shooting people. I couldn't throw them; they'd always stick to me. So, um, upon a successful range light attack with a weapon with the impale quality, you could spend the two two advantage to activate it, and the damage inflicted is equal to the impale rating plus your brawn. So you throw it at them, and they you know kind of stick in them and whatever. That's cool. Very nice. Oh, That's nice. Sweet. Yeah. There we go. Pretty awesome, pretty awesome stuff there. Yeah, so. very nice. Yeah, man. Well, there you go. So, Macho Madness, uh, we award you fifty pieces of awesome. Ta-da-da. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, don't spend it all in one place. No, or, or two, or start to try to spread it out. That's it, you know. Spend them to upgrade some of those uh, those those qualities on your weapons, like you know, get the impale quality on your. <laughs> On your weapons. Sweet. On your weapons. There you go. All right. (laughs) All right, everybody. Welcome to the Books of Genesis. So open up your core rule book to page 192. There it is. And we're going to talk, I know, I, was, you, I know you guys were just waiting in anticipation for it. Well, that's it. <laughs> and anticipation. <laughs> anticipation. So we are going to go over, so we're going to be talking about this, about the species um, or our archetypes um, that we've created, um, that we've come up with for the Epsilon Eclipse, which we're going to talk about tonight. Um, but what we want to go over is the um, guidelines that we've got in a core rulebook here, starting on page 192. Um, 
you know, like your bit, you know, go into like the basic profile, make sure we have every piece of that, and then modifying that profile and how we how we do what we do. Um, mm-hmm. So, what? Um, where do we want to start? Um, let's talk about what makes up a profile for a species or or archetype. Who wants to take that one? Oh, I can. Okay, go ahead, Tony. So the basic species profile starts. You start out with you've got your species characteristics. That's the brawn, agility, mm-hmm. intellect, so on and so forth. Uh, they've got their wound and strain threshold, uh, and it's usually formatted to be uh, wounds plus brawn, yep. and and strain plus willpower. Um, they're starting XP, so. You know, bing, bang, boom, those are your first three things you see. And then after that, you've got special abilities and other unique rules. Now, other unique rules might be some special uh, special rule that can't be obtained uh, any other way. Um, mm-hmm. This rule might be uh, something like amphibious. So you're going to write the rule in for them being amphibious and so on, what it means. Gotcha. Um, just to... Um, provide that information right there so and uh, it's the simple rule to start off uh it says right here with your characteristics the simple rule you start off with your six characteristics is you're going to want uh four of them to start with a value of two one to start with a value of one and one to start with a value of three that's your baseline Mm -hmm. uh your brawn and willpower starting at or sorry your wounds and strains starting at uh, 10 plus brawn and 10 plus willpower, respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your starting XP is 100. That's your base. Yep. That's what you start with, and then you can tweak from there. Mm-hmm. Cool. And it goes into that. Well, right. Does anyone else want to take you. that part? Sure, I'll go next. Okay. So then you start modifying, tweaking, make them a little bit more special, unique. So they make some suggestions here about modifying, keeping in mind how many experience points each of these benefits uh, could cost. So, for example, they say, let's say you wanted to make an average human. So, um, you know, the characteristics, you know, for, for base humans all start at two. Is basic. Uh, if you lowered uh, the three in our framework to a two, well, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm explaining it that quite right. Well, well basically, uh-huh. what they said is you start off with a hundred XP with yeah. one with one characteristic at a thirty, one characteristic at a one. So if a you want to go, uh, yeah, a three. No, you have one at a three, and you have one at a one. Everything else is at two. If you want to put everything, if you want to make that that one a two and that three a two, well, you you grant them back the thirty XP that it costs to go up to um, what do you call it to make the two to a three, and then right. when you then you spend the twenty to put that one to a two, and your net gain is ten XP, and that's why your your normal humans, your 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 common your commoners. Start with 110 XP because you kind of get that extra. You get that extra 10 from the difference of putting all the things at all the characteristics at two. So right. Mm-hmm. 
And then if you want to increase or decrease the strain threshold instead of being like if you want a 12 in brawn and a 10 in your willpower to start with, that's worth about five experience points. Um, so that's kind of, you know, so they kind of go into a little bit of um, those baseline suggestions to keep in mind. And then um, single rank in a skill is worth five XP. Um if it starts at a skill three or higher, it's worth about 10 XP. Um, so just kind of keep those things in mind. Basically. And I think also, mm-hmm. even though it's not listed here, if it allows the character to add that skill as a career skill, oh, yeah. uh, it should be considered basically 10 XP. I would say so too. That's yeah. that's kind of the rule that I've seen. Okay, used. that's cool. That's cool. Now, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah, man. Um, it, it did talk about increasing and decreasing wound threshold. Yes. Um, yep. And so, likewise, when you increase and you decrease your wound threshold by two, or the strain threshold by one, it's worth about five XP. Yep. Um, if you increase the wound threshold by four or more, or strain threshold <coughs> by two or more, Sorry. it's worth about fifteen XP. Mm. Now, we say about because it's these modifications don't have any exact science. It's kind of a tweak. Right. But what the one rule of thumb that I use is if you're going to raise one, lower the other by an equal amount. Right. And it balances out. So if, you, if you're going to give a, you know, I think a species would have a little bit more willpower, you want them to have an 11, say, then you're going to lower their wounds to a 9. Yeah. Uh, that balances it out. Now, if right. you say, well, I want them to be unbalanced, that's where you come into the spendicture of XP. Right. And then you could think of the the, the rank, the tier one talents of toughened and grit. They're worth five XP. You want to, and, and so toughened increases your, increases your wound threshold by two. If you buy a second one, that's going to be 10 more XP. So that's where they kind of get that 15 XP. For. And if you buy grit, you get your wound. I think that's plus one, right? To your plus one, yeah. To one your strain. So same same thing there. What what Tony is talking about. So that's kind of I think right. where they got that number from. So well, yeah, and, and I guess focusing one over the other, strain or versus wounds, sort of works with the type of archetype that you're working on. Mm-hmm. If something is, will be relying a lot on uh, social interaction or spell casting. They may have more strain yep. and less wound thresholds because they'll be they'll be more fragile. They're they're focusing on their social skills or intellectual skills, whereas you know someone who's of course more of a fighter, the strain might not be as important, but they'll definitely need to be able to take some more hits. So a higher wound threshold is high, is better. Absolutely. So yeah. that helps determine what kind of species you know uh, or archetype you're, you're you're working on and that kind of goes into the next se- section there stuff and you're touching on the species the focus of it are they going to be more social more explorers or certain skills yeah. and characteristics your, your archetypes yeah, if, right yeah yeah like a wookie would be much more physical compared to a human or a, a jawa jawa might be uh much more agile nimble whereas the wookie might be a little bit more clumsy not totally c- a klutz but mm-hmm. 
it'll be much stronger. <laughs> yeah, but they're both mechanically inclined, so they mm-hmm. can both have a rank in mechanics to start out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But whereas you're going to see a vastly different stat line on things like their brawn yeah. and their willpower, right. and then there's wounds and threshold accordingly, or That's wounds it. and strain threshold accordingly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep, so... A little thing it mentions here in the wound and strain threshold uh, section here. Keep in mind that you, you're, when determining your wound and strain thresholds, do not forget to add the brawn and willpower. So if your species has a starting brawn of three and their wound threshold is going to be a minimum of three higher automatically. Um, and so when you're making a species, you want to keep the wound and strain thresholds between the values of 10 and 15. Gotcha. Um, so if you've got a, a species where you're going above those values, you may want to increase the XP hit to them. Yeah. So if you're building a species, say, that has a 13 brawn and a, or 13 wound threshold and a starting brawn of three, that's going to give them a total value of 16 wounds as a starting character before they spend any XP. Exactly. You may want to hit them for an extra 5 XP in the starting XP. Yeah, yeah that's a good yeah, to rule represent that. Yeah, to represent that extra couple of points more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As yeah. if they got the toughened talent already. And of course, the, the final recommendation, which this keeps balance in the game, rarely, rarely ever should you see a species with a high willpower and a high brawn. Right. Um, they both, or a low of each. Mm-hmm. They should both average the out to mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Right. So one's a little higher than the other, one's a little lower. Than the other. Yeah, right. or they're both equal at least. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. But here's where the tough part comes in. Oh, and yeah. This is the part we really want to kind of talk about because this is where mm-hmm. species and archetypes get their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And that's those unique abilities. How do you determine how much a unique ability costs? What's the the, the yeah? The, they give they give us a few examples. Well, exactly because yeah, you're not always is. human. So you know sometimes you're interested in playing the non-humans. You mm-hmm. want to play the dwarf, the elf, you're, uh, the robot, uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> the the little floating alien. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and you can and these are great for giving you just a. Um, kind of a baseline and kind of where to where to go if you have similar abilities that are maybe um special circumstances you might not give them as much of an xp hit on it like i think there's the one like for dark vision um you can remove up to two setback dice during due to darkness when you're making skill checks and it's only five xp but it's fairly situational Whereas, and, and yeah. it's fairly situational, and it mimics something that a tier one talent can do. Exactly. Use, using the talents as your rule of uh, rule of thumb, for lack of a better phrase, mm-hmm. but your your rule of thumb. So, knack for it removes two setback dice from a certain skill check. Mm-hmm. Dark vision is a little bit more broad. It does it to any skill check, but it only does it in the dark. Yep. So that's 50% of the time, maximum. Right. Uh, and and so it's situational like that, and it, mm-hmm. and it mimics a, a Tier 1 talent, 5 XP. 
right? Well, exactly. You know, darkness will not affect all your skill checks if you're just trying to, you know, remember what you did or like a knowledge history role. Well, that darkness doesn't really come into play. But if you're trying to spot uh, what is written on the back of the wall in the dark, eh, okay, maybe then dark vision might be useful. That's right. <laughs> and any and, and you've got those abilities that are basically always on will always come into play basically like regeneration right i mean this one is interesting i mean you heal an additional wound over when you're natural rest you don't yeah. recover an additional wound when you're getting first aid or anything but you can regrow your limbs and this is worth 15 xp yeah. which is <laughs> great <laughs> if somebody disarms you not like yeah, literally. Arm, uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> then it'll go back. Yeah, when right. you're in a bar and you know some uh, old guy with a lightsaber just chops your arm off. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and then, like natural weapons, I, I want to comment on those. We <laughs> mentioned claws, claws here, so if you have like a claw or a bite, or in my case, a different kind of attack that you you mm-hmm. you made, it's usually. About five XP. It's gonna do um, the the base damage is gonna be equal to a stat plus one. It's gonna have an average crit rating of three. Now yeah. tweaking those stats a little bit, uh, increasing the crit rating or uh, the amount the crit rating is needed to, or increasing the damage, you'll want to lower the other one to keep it balanced. True. Uh, so if you increase the damage. Sorry, if you increase the damage, you'll want to increase the, the crit rating. Critical. Right. If you decrease the damage, you can decrease the amount of uh, advantage needed for the critical. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, that keeps them balanced. Or it may cost more than 5 XP. Let's say you want to have a physical attack that does more damage and has an easier crit and has some special abilities. Then dial that puppy up to a ten XP ability. That's right. That's yeah, a, if you no. want to give that, if you want to give that claw attack, like um, like a Pierce one or maybe a Pierce two, I'd, I'd say maybe a Pierce two. You can um, you know keep the damage as it is, the crit as it is, but give a Pierce two. I'd make it ten XP. Yep. You know what yeah. I mean? Because you're effectively doing two more damage most of the time if they're wearing armor, right? To kind of get through the soak. So yeah. oh, well, sure. I, I'll have an, an excellent example later on about one of the races I uh, I created with the help of Tony. So uh, yesterday about that. So And then on the flip side, there is an ability here called Exotic Atmosphere Breather, meaning your character can't survive without this piece of gear, which mm-hmm. effectively gimps them. So in this case, th- there you get to add 10 XP to your starting experience points. So, um, cool. you know, that's kind of cool. There might be other examples of of that, like maybe one-armed. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe or, you're playing that, that peg-legged, um, that peg-legged, uh, what do you call it, um, ship right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, like a, a flip side to, let's say, dark vision, you could have, like, drow are susceptible to, to, to bright lights. Oh, yeah, there you, you know, go. They're disadvantaged when they're in bright lights. Well, then they have setback that they cannot remove. You know, light sensitivity. Yes, light, yeah, sensitivity. light sensitivity. But yeah. when they're in the dark, they get their full advantage. So that could be two things that balance each other out. Yep, that's right. Another cool. thing 
um, if it provides them setback dice to a skill, uh, one, mm. two, setback dice to a skill check for a particular type of check. For instance, we'll use uh, the fearsome ability here as mm -hmm. an example. Uh, this species is feared in societies other than its own. Its members add to charm, deception, leadership, negotiation. So mm -hmm. it's a whole bunch of skills that gives them a setback die. But it also a little bit gives them something good to coercion. They'll get a boost die. Okay. You do something like that where you build a build an ability that gives them a little bit of something cool for a heavier cost, it's yeah. it's going to gain them some XP. It's going to give them 5 XP overall. Yeah. So you can balance species with their abilities and still end up with a real good mix of talent or uh, special abilities. But what I'd say is, if you're going to build a species with special abilities, unique abilities, keep them to 3 or 4 um, you get more than three or four special abilities and you start bogging down the characters. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Unless, you know, you've got like your fifth one is a negative that's going to balance something big out or whatever. Right. But three or four, don't don't get more involved than that. You're really mm -hmm. going to capture your species' essence in the overall stat block. You don't need to give it a bunch of abilities to right. get, to make it unique. Yeah, I mean, you could give it like, I mean, and I think in all of these, you'll give them a a bonus skill, right? A rank and a skill that kind of that right there tells them, hey, this is kind of what they're focused in, and then um, a couple other abilities to really kind of give them the flavor that you want. And not necessarily, not every but not every character would probably want like if you're creating a character that has a um, like this Wookie, right? Yeah, they're probably mm -hmm. going to have the Wookiee Rage ability. But you're, he's probably going to be like a, a celebrity. So he'll probably be your face man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And <laughs> might, yeah, if somebody might create that kind of a character, that's kind of a cool idea, maybe, Tony? Well, I, I, I had to struggle a bit like that with my Dragon Star campaign where mm -hmm. I wanted to do the, the half dragons. The half dragons have, with the 3.5 edition book, uh, that it's based off of a lot of abilities. Okay. Yes, okay. They they've got they balance it out by having a level hit. You know, uh, you start oh, as if you're right. three oh, or four level, three, yeah, three or four levels oh, higher. Mm -hmm. But in Genesis, I didn't want to go through all the abilities of being okay. They've got this this bonus on brawn. You know, their right armor, natural armor, blah blah blah. So I condensed it to a few abilities like scaly hide, some claws, a bit of elemental resistance. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and a breath weapon. Cool. So, yeah, they do start with a lot less experience than everyone else, but some decent stats as well. Nothing too out of the ordinary. But then they can get some of these abilities better, like improve their own breath weapon later on. That's cool. So just, and, like, yeah. talents for that. So, And that is another way that you can create um, uh, a system, if you want, to mm -hmm. where they can buy the things with their XP. Maybe you've got a a race that is um, very diverse and you want to capture that diversity, have some things that they could buy. And we'll have an example of that later um, with the races that I created. Yes, mm -hmm. there you go. So speaking of which, do we want to get into that right now? I, I had one more. One last thing okay. that I wanted to talk about, and that is that um, you're not tied down to the 100 starting XP mark. 
FFG proved it themselves when they did the Shadow of the Beanstalk setting. They raised that to 120 for a human instead of 110. And you're and so they they gave that everybody a little bit of a power boost of a little more XP to start. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's because they hit everyone right from the get-go. Every player they hit with a negative on the favor that they owe. Oh yeah, right. there you go. That's true. So it balances out, I think. Um, so if you have a mechanic like that, that's going to be like a setting rule or something like that that you want to toss in there. That's a um, something that's going to hit every character. Feel free to give them a five or ten XP bump. Well, that's it. Maybe like in Shadow of the Beanstalk, you know, knowledge and the internet is so prevalent that people do get. You know, maybe more knowledge. You know, more easily, mm-hmm. as opposed to medieval times, where not everyone would have access to schooling. And uh, <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, in near setting, you've given everybody a, and this is outside the scope of this, but everybody gets one rank in knowledge education or whatever it is, because it's, yeah. there's formalized schooling and everyone's required to go through it, whether that mm-hmm. be whatever. You know, that's, yeah. for instance, I, I comes to example, like you're doing a school setting like the ETU or Harry Potter. Oh, there you go. Yep. Toss in an education credit that everybody right, has that, that does a, a rank in education. Right. Um, or if that you're doing everyone's going to have. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're doing a military based themed campaign. Um, maybe give everybody mm-hmm. like a knowledge warfare rank. In yeah, war, knowledge war warfare one. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And that can be done in the species archetypes. Right yeah. to get going, it grants mm-hmm. it right at the very beginning to all the species, or it could be something that you do later in the careers or the skill section. So, oh. yep, absolutely. Oh, there you all go. Right. So, Chris, this is your section of the show, buddy. You get to pick who goes first. Um, I want to hear about these insects. All right. <laughs> the Zol. That's the, the right. Zol. See, I, I wasn't yes. sure how to pronounce it. So. The Zol. Zol. All right, Stefan. So they, so they are my my race that I uh, worked on. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to admit that Tony helped me a little bit yesterday. I was sort of, sort of stuck for a few ideas and wanted some, some feedback. That's so he helped me for, with buddy. fleshing it out. Exactly. So I made it extra fleshy. That's it. <laughs> All right, so not the Zol. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. <nope>. Sorry. <laughs> so the Zol are an insectoid race from a lush jungle world. There are multiple species that have evolved into a loose symbiotic relationship, and that greatly benefits all of them. Uh, so it's better for them to work together than separately for survival. So they're not a hive community, but they do work together for survival, aid, advancement, and evolutionary purposes. There are no kings or queens. So when the urge to mate arrives, a a specific Zol seeks out a mate of suitable type, and they court, and then they proceed with the mating process. (laughs) That'll be another section, another another supplement, (laughs) another chapter. Apparently. All right. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. So, It'll be the private rooms chapter of the uh, Epsilon Eclipse book. Exactly. Yeah. 
a special appendix. <laughs> appendix 69. Appendix, uh, not appendage. Jeez. No, yes. no, no. <laughs> so one trait I wanted all of them to have, because they are an insect race uh, without going too complex, is that all Zol have uh, chitinous skin, basically a hard carapace. Uh, so their exoskeleton grants them all a plus one to their soak value. Cool. Now, then I break them up into six different types. So the first one I came up with is the, the Zol Hoku. Mm-hmm. The most common Zol. They are very much beetle-like in, in, in look a little bit. And beetles can, can vary a lot if you look at our own uh, <laughs> varieties on Earth. Uh, they're a bit shorter than the average human, but brawnier. Uh, and they do very well in the roles of uh, laborers, workers, and sometimes warriors as well, grunts especially. So I started them off with a brawn of two. Agility, intellect, willpower, and cunning at... uh, Sorry, a brawn of four. Uh, Agility, intellect, willpower, and cunning of two, but presence only of one. Their strain, only eight, plus willpower. And wounds, like we discussed, since these are more physical uh, type of race, uh, they start with 12 plus their brawn with uh, 80 XP. And the reason why they only have 80 XP is because they have a few abilities, such as uh, one that I named all in the all in a day's work. The Hulku start with one rank in resilience because they're they're made tough. Yep. They work all day, they run around and build and uh, or patrol, so they, uh, they have at least one rank. Then, one little ability I gave them, lift with your joints. <laughs> so, when a, when a Hoku aids others with the brawn-based skills, they upgrade the skill pool instead of just adding a boost die. Oh, cool. So, they like, they're, they're strong, they, they work together very well. And then, along that same line, they have... A strong back, so the encumbrance value of a Hulku starts at 10 plus their brawn instead of uh, five, I believe. Oh, wow! So they can That's carry cool. a lot, a bit like a bit like incest. You know, you, you hear about ants being able to lift like 50 times their own weight. So, there you go, that's cool, <laughs> kind of the same idea. Yeah, these we'll just the, pack I, it think, on. I think I'm <laughs> my, my only comment here is it feels like XP is too high. If they're starting, if they're starting with a brawn of four, Mm. and only one and one other, one other um, characteristic, eighty seems a little high. Well, I could drop it to down to four, to to a three. I mean, it's still a good brawn, and they could still increase it with XP to four if they want. Yeah, that that fixes it. I think. Yeah, I think I think so. That could. Yep. Yep. Perfect, not a problem there. So there we go, so we'll fix that. And then the next race I have, they're the leaner, longer version of the Hulku, and also have uh, four arms. They're the elite warriors and leaders in charge of groups of Hulku. They're named the Zal Holaith. And yes, all my insect races start with the word Zal in front. So. <laughs> Sweet. So with these guys being less brawny, more agile, so they have an agility of three. Uh, I did give them also a cunning of three, but maybe that could be dropped down as well to down to two. 
So they'll have brawn, intellect, willpower, cunning, and presence of two, and willpower only of one. They're easily maybe dominated by the, the leaders of their, uh, of their collective to follow orders. And as far as strain and wounds, they're not as different. They're a little closer, but not equal. Um, so it's a little, a little bit more strain. They can, since they, they can take uh, sometimes some social skills like leadership and, and so forth. Uh, Eleven plus willpower and wounds nine plus brawn instead of twelve of the whole coup. But they're still not weaklings. Yep, still a decent amount. And to represent maybe their sort of combat uh, focus a little bit. Um, they all have what's called the center of gravity. They're, they the they all begin with one rank of coordination. They're nice. They're very, yeah, not disciplined, I would say, but uh, uh, a good hand-eye coordination. And then they also have four arms. So they have an extra set of, uh, of limbs that they can use to perform a second maneuver for free each turn instead of paying an extra two uh, strain. But they still can't perform more than two maneuvers. They just can perform those two maneuvers for free. And they have, since they're a little tall, I I see them a little bit like uh, Mantis a little bit. Uh, um, They have large eyes, so they have very good situational awareness around them. So uh, they start with the the talent heightened awareness, which can help their them and their allies not to be surprised. That gives them one boost die and their allies two? Is that what that one is? The heightened awareness? Uh, I think something like that. I wanted to copy it and I forgot. What oh, the, that's uh, all good. That's all good. Now, I'm thinking... I actually mm-hmm. kind of I kind of like the, the feel of this race being agile and, cun- you know, and fairly cunning. Mm-hmm. You know, leaving them both at three, and with the extra set of limbs and such. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like I like because you were saying maybe you put one back down to two, but you could probably leave those at three and maybe make their starting XP like maybe eighty instead of eighty-five. 85. Yeah, because I think you've kind of balanced that three bonus with your lower strain and wound threshold. I think so. yeah, I think you've kind of be. balanced that quite a bit. So that's mm-hmm. it. So yeah, I went a little bit. By eye again. It's, there's no hard and fast rule. Sometimes I was trying to follow yeah. the, the guidelines. It's so. by feel. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's so by feel. Just, yep. So there you go. So yeah, can keep the cunning. I like the cunning at three, which can can help. Yeah. Uh, represents maybe their sort of instinct and sometimes some combat situation, tactical situations. Yeah, dude. Sure. All right. All right. So my third race, the Zal Hinol. These are moth-like. Zal, they're the intellectuals, the scientists uh, of their society, and um, so I can imagine them tall, a bit like you see moth. They almost seem like they have fur on them, the way they're okay over over their bodies with long feathery little antennas uh, above their eyes, and so yeah, like I said, the intellectuals. They're also the only ones that can possess the psionic powers. So they can choose. They're only ones who can choose to be a part of the, the Mentari career, as they call it in their society. Okay. So, of course, you know, they're, they're a bit more uh, fragile, so they only have a brawn of one. Agility of two, not incredible, 
because they're focused on their mind power. So intellect of three, willpower of three, cunning, and presence of two. So, of course, since, you know, powering their uh, psionic abilities would be important, uh, they've got strain of 12 plus willpower, and only eight, of course, for brawn, uh, plus brawn for wounds. Like I said, they're they're not combat-oriented, uh, not frontline combatants anyway. Mm-hmm. And with their abilities, of course, you know they're moth-like, so I gave them flight, so they have wings, uh, moth-like, butterfly-like wings. Uh, they have the ability of what I call the calm mind, so they all in all have one rank in discipline. They're able to calm their minds. They're very organized, you know, uh, being intellectuals and scientists. They're, that helps. Mm-hmm. That makes sense with the psionic powers too, which exactly. is based off that we based that off a of discipline. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, yeah, or willpower, I guess, right? Yeah, well, it would be willpower, definitely. Willpower, yeah. uh, and then I, their third ability called Eureka. <laughs> <laughs> once per once per session, Hanol may spend a story point as an incidental, and this allows them to change the side of one of their intellect-based checks to another side. So as long as the dice doesn't show a triumph or despair. So if a side of a, of a dice, a, you know, a challenge dice or uh, an ability dice, you know, is blank or whatever, they can change it to a side that does show a triumph. <laughs> cool. Or maybe one Very that has nice. a couple of, a couple of, um, couple of threats, uh, threats, change it to a blank. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. So. That's pretty cool. I still, th- I, I think maybe the starting XP should probably be eighty on this one too. Yeah. As much as as much as fly is a, some said some people think that it's, it's really oh, it's, not it's, a non ability. It's it really isn't. No, it doesn't allow you to move any faster. It's just you know, that's why no I difficult to was fine. I you helped think eighty five? I helped fine? him. Okay. Yeah, I helped him with yeah. making yeah. the XP selection, and I think because of the the low the low brawn. Uh, the yeah. low wounds together, mm-hmm. so you're stacking your low stat with your low, um, yeah. with your low uh, uh, threshold. I'll have nine. That's true. I'll have nine wounds to start with. And that's it. Mm-hmm. you know, and flight being kind of a non-ability, all it allows you to do is ignore difficult terrain when moving. I yeah, exactly. eighty-five seems good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, occasionally yeah. flight might be useful when you know they need to to gain some. High vantage point uh, right. quickly, but it's, I, I was just I was just thinking two 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 um two characteristics at three to start with is a lot of ex- starting XP, you know what I mean? Just just mm. to start with, which is well, yeah, it's totally cool. It's kind of balanced out by these abilities, it seems to, and like you said, the lower wounds, almost kind of a glass cannon, if you will. Well, definitely the lower wounds, definitely. not much of a soak, like a one soak. Since the brawn is definitely someone range. who's going to sit at chicken shit range. Yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> even That's with right. their chitin armor, it's only even with their chitin armor, it's only two soak. So they're well, not going to be. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to be carrying people uh, or heavy loads either of uh, equipment. Yeah. Now that's something you could do if you want to give them some sort of frailness mm. uh, and really feel balanced and like that they can only fly carrying a light load. Yeah. You may want to reduce their encumbrance threshold to three plus their brawn. Yeah, if they want to fly. You know. Oh, yeah, Definitely. There you go. I can modify That's that. Cool. 
That feel that yeah, I like that, Tony. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll add that in as I'll part of their flight. In. You know, winged flight. You could put it in there. You know, however, this flight ability can only be used if they're encumbered with less than three plus their bra. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, well, and uh, that also further limits. You know, they're not carrying around a lot of stuff. They're not making. It's really about just getting them to safety. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. stay in that chicken jet range. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool, dude. Uh, all right, so I'll just put a little note there, and I'll finish it up later. All right. And then comes kind of my favorite race that I came up with. Because uh, <laughs> at first, I thought the Zol would be a hive mind, where they would al- almost have like a, a communication even at distance. But it seems like you, you think too much of that automatically with insects and the insect race and I want to step away a little bit but this is kind of my still a nod to that so the Zol Hakim are unique among the Zol so instead of being one single entity they're they're a cluster of three smaller ant slash termite like creatures <laughs> that share a mind link amongst each other okay. not with the whole other Hakims although mm-hmm. that c- could help out if, you know, they still maybe have a bit an empathy that could work out, but we'll see. But at least a mind link amongst their three brothers or sisters, their cluster. So individually, they're very small. They, they have a silhouette zero. They call them small buggers. <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nudge. So each one is a silhouette zero. Nice. I was kind of inspired, like I told Tony, uh, about certain sources like the worms and men in black, and even the extra tri- the uh, the alien in uh, the solo movie mm-hmm. was disguised with the trooper armor and suit. So I, I could imagine these three little buggers stacked one on top of each other, dressed up to look a bit like a human. <laughs> I I told him I says it reminds me of the pill bugs from the A Bug's Life. The, yeah, the, the, okay. the three little cir- circus dudes. But anyhow, go on. <laughs> yeah, they, they could definitely, you know, high agility, some athletics in there, and they can do acrobatic stuff and flip one into the other end and uh, do a trapeze act kind of thing. Gotcha. <laughs> up, up, up. So their attributes reflect a little bit of this. So um, I started them with brawn only of one because they are small. They're not focused on strength. Mm-hmm. Um, not a presence only of one because they don't have a force of personality as much either, but they're very agile uh, with an agility of four. Okay. Intellect and willpower of two, average, but they can be fairly clever, so with a cunning of three. So, and with strain and wounds, since they're three different individuals, they don't start with, let's say, 12 or 10 plus an attribute. I divided by three, basically, so strain is only four, plus willpower for each Hakim, and wounds only three, plus brawn for each Hakim. So each each Hakim has only about four wounds each. But for the player, it'll have 12. You'll have 12 wounds to start with. 12 wounds for your player character, your character. And then your willpower, and then you'll have 18 18 strain threshold. Yeah, that might... Maybe I'll... It feels a little... Feels down a little to high. Maybe, two. maybe if you do okay, so if we do strain three plus willpower, wounds two plus brawn, that gives you nine 
wounds total, right? Yeah. For the guy, and then you have 12, no, 3, 15. Yeah, so you're on the, kind of on the low end with the with your wounds, but on the high end for the strain, which feels pretty good. Yeah, I think that would be better. So 2 plus brawn for the wounds and 3 plus willpower for the... Uh, for the strain, it sounds a little bit better. I haven't uh, even calculated the, the strains. Like, oh, yeah, that's eight. 18 was, was a little high. Yeah. It was a little high, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So that makes a bit more sense. Thank you. So apart from being small buggers, they're also sneaky. So they start with one rank in stealth. Cool. Um, they have their mind link. So uh, all three of the Hokal, not Hokal, Hakim, forgot to copy, yeah. Uh, Correct the name. Copy paste there. Yeah. yeah, I've never had that com- before. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, all three Hakim can communicate with each other through their mind link, uh, up to a range of extreme range. Okay. This communication is telepathic and allows one Hakim to see, hear, feel, and know what the other two experience. Of course, beyond this range, then the mind link is temporarily lost with that one who's separated. Is it? Um, is it? Is is there a limitation? Now you say that it's telepathic. Is there mm-hmm. a limitation as to if like one is underground and the other one isn't? Is there a limitation to that? I think or that's it- an environmental grounds for a GM to provide setback yeah, dice. Some setback to see if yeah they can do like a yeah maybe some kind of discipline check perhaps or uh, whatever Sounds skill like GM discretion discretion. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. The, man, that that is. Cool. The yeah, flavor. The flavor wait, of these guys. There's more. There's more. Yeah. All right. One, one oh my god. Thing. The name. The name of this next one is great. Yes. <laughs> because because I thought they, they they are mind linked. What happens if one of them does go too far away? Because they're all they're, they were born mind linked. They're, they're used to to their company. So I they're. Fourth ability is called separation anxiety. <laughs> so at PC creation, you roll an extra flaw for the okay. cluster. And this flaw will only manifest when at least one or more Hakim are beyond their extreme mind link range. Okay. And all of them experience this. So even if two of them are close to each other, the third one goes beyond range. They all three of them suffer this flaw. Now, okay. <laughs> how often do you want this to come into play? Well, that always depends, I guess. Well, you know, I think groups have a tendency to not to separate the party. Well, but think about this. <laughs> so you have three um, yeah. unique uh, Hakims here in your cluster slash PC, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. when it takes a, th- so when your PC takes a third of the hit point of the wounds, what happens? Their separation always have it. There's separation anxiety there, right? Because yeah. does that third exactly. one get killed or knocked out? Incapacitated. Of the, incapacitated. Well, if, he's, if he's incapacitated, <laughs> then he's lost communication. They don't know what, you know, okay. if they, even if they know what happens, like, oh, no, you know, Hakeem 3 is down. <laughs> yeah, so you might, you might want to throw this in your note here. It says, this flaw only manifests when one or more Hakeem are beyond the mind link range or when one or more are... Incapacitated. Incapacitated. That's yeah. kind of what I was getting at. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because that's when I said, how often do you want this to come to play? Because with <laughs> mm-hmm. such a low wound or strain threshold for be. individual, 
it can come into a play a lot when then you they know what? become incapacitated. Then you know what? I'd say leave the wounds at three plus brawn because you're because that'll give them a wound threshold of twelve. Right. Leave your strain threshold three plus willpower gives them a strain threshold of fifteen. You're already above the thing of like what we've said, like the starting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I like it. I like it. I, I agree mean, it with works, you, Chris. It works good. I like the I like the three wounds and three. plus yeah. brawn. Yeah. And I like the three willpower plus brawn. It keeps it the same. So they're identical. Yeah. It's just that their their willpower makes them a little bit more strain threshold. Yeah. Yep. That makes them perfect, dude. This is I my think so. this was my favorite before Stefan and I created your his sixth one last night. But That's we'll it. get to his fifth one first. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I'll add that when one of them is incapacitated as well. So I've I would see a lot of role playing opportunity for the player to amongst his three little aspects plus interaction with other species oh or my God. even others all. And, and infiltration <laughs> and like a spy. Like this yeah. these guys can be like great spies and infiltrators, oh, yeah. right? Oh my That's god. It. So we, all right. I Next. would have to though to, to determine you know, because each one could have their own action though. So that would allow um, that one player to have three actions every round. I, I don't That's something I'm I don't know. I, I'd say they take we'll one action and one yeah. maneuver per round, just like anyone else. Yeah. Um, but because they share the same mind space. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So while one is doing a skill, the others are doing their thing, but they're not active as much. Yeah. You know, they can maybe do a man- like each one can do a maneuver. Yeah. There might have to be like a special little write up for these guys. Yeah. Guidelines just the for actions. taking actions, taking taking maneuvers. Yeah. Yeah. Just I a could- description. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, a description and for GMs, help them with uh, how the mind link can that's work it. in a combat situation, in a social situation. There's some hints. Yeah. And, and yeah. then that could inspire specific talents that they could have that can help them you know, maybe act a little, a little bit more, but not without unbalancing. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, taking a second action, but with penalties, with more difficulty. I, but yeah. we'll see. Yep, we'll see. That's cool. Though. Anyway. All right, next one. Zol Hokal. These are... The Hokal are very tall, regal, suave, and the manipulative upper class. Did you say Rico Suave? No, regal. Yes. Suave. Regal. <laughs> they're, they're not kings or queens, but rather just the nobles, the politicians, entertainers as well of the Zol. They, they look very resplendent with, you know, multicolored, shimmering multi-hued chitin and their eyes which are nice and bulbous but you know reflect all kinds of lights pretty pretty bugs yes exactly (laughs) since they focus on their appearance and their presence they have a presence of four uh, agility intellect willpower and cunning of two and then of course brawn of only one because you know they're 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 much more about the way they look (laughs) they're fancy Exactly. So, of course, their strain will be, I wrote it down inversed, but their strain would be 12. Oh, I power. See. Their wounds would be 8. Forgot eight to uh, inverse yeah. that. Okay. That would make more sense. And then they've got their special abilities. So, the heights of power. 
is what I called it, uh, since the uh, Hokal tower above all the other Zol and most other sentients, they are silhouette two. They're, they're not big and bulky, but they're just very, very tall. Yep. With all the advantages they're, and disadvantages that come with that. That could bring, exactly. And okay. they're, bred to, they're bred to lead, so all Hokal begin with one, one rank in leadership. Okay. Okay. And the final ability is, since they're their presence is very much uh, their most important attribute. They have what's called sensitive feelers, so they do have antenna a little bit like the uh, my other ones, the Hinal, uh, mm-hmm. the Empaths, also long feathery uh, feelers that allow them a bit of an empathic ability. Nuts. They're not psionic like the uh, Hinal, but uh, at least like lets them sense other people's uh, sense of mo- sense of emotions, sense of surface thoughts, so they can sometimes you know use that to their advantage. You know, uh, so it gives them a boost to uh, their social skills. All social skills. All social skills, but only a boost die. A boost within die short range. Of them within, within a short range only. I don't know when you would be doing social skills outside of short range, though. You would be, uh, but. For Never the most know. part, they're all going to be done. It's going to be, yeah. But those feelers, at least, only can give them a boost dive at short range. So, beyond that, there's too much interference. Like, nah, no. <laughs> and finally, uh, the uh, I just, I just, ones, uh, well, but before we go on, yep. before Wait, we go sorry, on, go. I feel like that's a little powerful. Yeah. Why As, is that? Um, because you're given a boost dive to. F- Four skills. At least four okay. skills, right? Mm. That will probably be used all the time. Most of the time. I'd say 90% of social skills will be done at short range. Unless you're over communications, those kinds of things. Right. And with the presence being so high as well, I feel 85 experience points is too high. Would, I don't know. It just feels like... Would it be balanced if they could... It requires a little bit of concentration. It requires that they spend some strain to do it. Yeah, that could be a strain. Doesn't suck. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So for I hate strain, I hate adding I hate adding a check. Oh, if you do this check, then you get this ability. Nah, I like the strain. Oh. The strain's cool. I like it. Yeah. Just too strain. Oh, they can use too it. Too strain, and you can boom, turn it on. So they can't spam the hell out of it on every social roll, but they no, can. No. They could do it. They could. Reach out, read the read those emotions. I'd say, their I'd say, thoughts. I think, I think as and I and I think it should be maybe an incidental. It should it shouldn't even be like a maneuver or anything like that. I think it's you spend a couple of strain as an incidental to to to, to read the surface thoughts. Yeah, yep, no, well, definitely, it's definitely part of the, mm-hmm. the the skill check. And they have a great strain pool, so it fits. Yeah, and it keeps them balanced. I like that. That feels yeah. good. Yeah. That that that, that makes it that makes it feel feel feel. I, I hate to use balanced, but I, I, it feels more um, feels more online of what you're what you're kind of going for here. Yeah, and um, yeah, I like that. Now, I like it. Now keep in mind, folks, uh, our listeners are listening to all this. Mm-hmm. We have uh, these are not play tested. No, what no. we're doing is we're building these races. We some you know pre built. Yeah. We are even tweaking them as we're going. Yeah, that's it. We're going to play test these, and yeah. eventually, we'll decide. Well, maybe this needs a tweak. 
Mm-hmm. Well, exactly, because, you know, we, we, we create all our races separately, you know. Yeah. Chris did <laughs> and, his, and we want, yeah. Tony did his, so. Uh-huh. And you guys worked on these a bit last night, and, and, I, and, yeah. I like, and, I, and I like, we like sharing this dialogue with all of you out there to let mm-hmm. you know what kind of questions we ask each other, bring up, hey, this doesn't necessarily feel right, it feels too powerful, oh. not powerful enough, or whatever, um, just to it. kind of give you guys an insight as to kind of how we do it, and maybe that'll help you guys. If you guys are creating your own as well. Until tonight, I didn't think about how many, you know, actions uh, Hakeem could could use. If there are three entities, each one could could do a skill check, technically, Mm. if they all have their own mind. Well, technically, well, if they have that, well, not, I don't, don't, we'll have to come back to that. We'll have to come uh, like back a min max, a min maxing player would think, oh, I can do three actions. So each uh-huh. of my Hakeem grab a blaster and they shoot. Oh, trust <laughs> me. If you we yeah. want, if you want me to put these in front of one yeah. of my players, my yeah. buddy Eric, who basically plays in all of my face to face games, breaks shit, <laughs> and yeah. even oh, even video games he'll break. And if he can break this, <laughs> awesome. More power to him. So. Well, so it's a good thing that we were talking about this. It made me think about this question, so I'll mm-hmm. take that in well, consideration. The way that I'm, the, the way that I was thinking about it, um, Steph, and if we go back to the Hakeem real quick, um, I'm thinking of them as just it's a one PC. Yeah. But the fact that it could split up its brain and its senses senses three ways, right, coming in from three different, completely different areas, makes that such a neat character to potentially play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but you still have to kind of stay. It's still at one PC, right. restrained by your maneuver, your action, more maneuvers for strain, those kinds of things. So that's it. But yeah, so, yeah. but that, it's, it's right. great dialogue and good. Um, I like thinking of this stuff. So good. Sweet. good. All right. So that? finally, uh, my sixth race, the uh, Zol Hotar. That uh, thank you, Tony, for helping me a lot with this one. Was this your favorite one, there, Tony? Before you started, that's his favorite. Yeah, All right, this is your favorite. The hot- so the Hotar are, thankfully, not the most common of the Zol. Okay. A blessing, a blessing in the eyes of the other Zol, mm-hmm. as their demeanor tends towards being somewhat mean, short-tempered, prone to berserk rage in some Hotar. <laughs> oh, okay. This anger, of course, tends to set things on fire, as they are able to squirt out a highly flammable liquid from their mandibles. I like the so, name, then. Hot Tar uh, makes a lot of exactly. sense. Exactly. So they exactly. spit out Hot Tar, or just Hot Flammable uh, uh, liquid, but there's still, you know, it, it, it's maybe a black liquid. Hot sticky. Tar. It's hot <laughs> so yeah. sometimes they they do look a little bit like the uh, the Hulku, you know, beetle-like. Okay. They're basically fire beetles. Sweet, like it. <laughs> so for them, uh, they're a little bit like the Hulku, not quite as strong. So brawn three, agility mm-hmm. three is pretty good. Uh, willpower one, and then intellect, cunning, and presence of two. I just read your the name of your first ability. We'll get there in yep. a moment. <laughs> That's it. So strain, eleven plus willpower, wounds nine plus brawn. Not too yeah. bad. You know they're they're good fighters, but you know the whole crew will be the big bads for the, the to take wounds. Mm-hmm. So the first ability they've got, of course, burning sensation. <laughs> uh-huh. The hotar are able to split spit a flammable liquid from their mandibles. This has the following stats. So they use, right now we've determined skill range light. That may change, but so far range light. Damage is a base of two, 
plus their brawn. And the crit rating is four. Mm -hmm. uh, medium range. Burn of two. And I gave them prepare one as an ability because it sort of takes a bit of time to like <laughs> squirt that in. energy. Yeah, they a need little to bit. In. <laughs> or whatever they have to do to prepare that uh, squirt. And then it takes two strain to use. Okay. Question. And only usable once per encounter. Okay, question. Why mm -hmm. two plus brawn and not like a straight like damage rating like you would say like a blaster or a... Because they're squirting it. Yeah. It's part of their body. You know, <laughs> how, how powerful they are because physically. they're squirting it. Okay. <laughs> it's part of their anatomy, so... The All right. stronger I, they are, the they stronger they are, the, more the stronger they are, the more, the more potent spit, it is. The more potent it is. Yeah, and then because it's fire, they're used to fire. They've got heated environments, so all Hotar begin with one rank in survival, especially for uh, for surviving out uh, in the wilderness. And then their final ability: I can stand the heat. Is what I called it. <laughs> The Hotar are able to withstand greater than normal heat and uh, and temperature uh, high temperatures and receive a boost die to resist harsh, hot environments and heat-based attacks. Or if they don't need to resist, they'll simply add two more points of soak versus heat-based attacks if it's a straight... You know, if someone... If another Hotar shoots fire at them, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So those are my, my Zol... Cool, dude. I think you did a great yeah. bit of work on that. An insect race is not an easy thing to do. Uh, and no. you tackled, the, I think, the hardest of the races, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I think you did a great job of capturing a an insectile race with a lot of variety in it. And six good archetypes in there. Yeah. Because there is, because there is a man. lot of variety in the insect world when you when I, you look oh, at yeah. specials and uh, na nature specials, like wow. <laughs> so. Yeah, well done, man. Thank you. Thank you. I like that. That's well done, dude. There you go. I'll put some additional notes in there uh, later on or tomorrow with the, the, what we discussed, you and I, you guys okay. and I. There you go. So that was kind of a brain burner. Yep. So well, we'll, Tony, we'll, 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 Tony we'll needs get, a break. What? Well, well, I think. Well, I think we'll we'll take it. We'll take a little bit of a break from the really hard thinking ones because I know Tony's got some pretty sweet ones. I'd like to kind of do the humans, only because it'll give everybody kind of a uh, a break because we'll have things that are similar to what we have here. Right. We'll get into Tony's. How about that? That so sounds great. What I okay, so we're so I'm gonna so I was in charge of taking up the human masses here, and base and what I what I wanted to do with these guys and gals is um not necessarily pick say a planet that they're from and create six different humans from one planet. So what I did is I took one characteristic like brawn, created a human feel around that from a. A, a planet on a certain era and we could kind of go from there i think okay. so um so like i said so humans in the epsilon eclipse multiverse come from different planets and eras some excel at warfare some at exploration and some have started to unlock the secrets of the multiverse but most are just trying to survive in their harsh environments so various types of humans exist and they excel at specific roles in their society here are a few so the first race we have are the Norskas. 
They're a gray-skinned warrior race focused on conquering their frozen tundras on an icy medieval-era planet named Norska. There we go. That's Those are your Vikings. <laughs> Didn't really not much of a stretch of the imagination there. And um these are these guys are based on the laborer um the laborer archetype in the core rulebook and I tweaked it a little bit. Um so as a laborer you have the brawn 3 um willpower of 1, everything else is at a 2. Your wounds are at the higher end with the 12 plus brawn. Your strain is at the lower end, eight plus your your um your willpower. Starting XP is ninety. It's a little lower because um, I gave them an extra ability here. Um, the beginning skills on all of these, I gave every human variant here a choice between two skills to choose from. So okay. for these guys, we have athletics or brawl. Makes sense, you know. Same same thing. Can't can't raise them above two during character creation. Took the tough mm-hmm. as nails, um, but I created we we I added berserker rage. So when a Norska has suffered any wounds, they deal one extra damage to brawl and melee attacks. And when they have when they're critically injured, they instead deal plus two damage. Sounds fairly nice. familiar. That's basically Wookie rage. Okay, mm-hmm. so those are the Norskas. The next ones we have are the Aquilar. They're the blue, they're blue-skinned amphibious race, focused on exploring the vast oceans on a modern area era water planet named Aquilian. And these guys are based on the acrobat um, archetype that I grabbed from um, the Inquisition setting. Tweak and then tweak these guys just a little bit as well. Um, the stats one in brawn, three in agility, and an arrest are two. Um, and then wounds and strain are fairly balanced. Brawn is nine, or wounds are nine plus brawn. Strain is ten plus willpower. Starting XP is ninety-five. Um, these guys start with either um, coordination or stealth. Okay. They have the deft evasion ability that they had created in the Inquisition setting there, so they could spend a story point as an out of turn incidental when they're targeted of a combat check. If they do, the difficulty of the check becomes an opposed check against their coordination skill. Which is pretty cool little ability there, I like. And it's a yeah, once-per-session I... ability. Kind of cool. And they are amphibious, so they breathe underwater without penalty and never suffer movement penalties for traveling through water. I figured that's only a five-point um, uh, hit to the X starting XP um, because it's fairly situational. They might not always be on a water planet or have to go underwater so an ability they they may use but maybe not all the time okay all right so then the next group um and i actually did some uh searches on the internets for things to come up with some of these names um so the zimlayans they're a crimson skinned scientific race focused on innovation and invention in a Renaissance-era planet named Zemlia. And that is Ukrainian for Earth. Nice. Um, (laughs) Based on the intellectual from the core book. So intellect, three, agility, one, 
uh, opposite of the um, of the Norska's lower lower end of the wounds, so eight plus brawn, higher end of strain, twelve plus willpower. Starting XP of ten. Um, they start with either one rank in, and we've picked knowledge. Science is one of our skills we've picked for our setting, um, or mechanics. Okay. And then um, using um, brilliant, they can spend a story point. Um, their next check, they can use their intellect on their next um, on their next check instead of the linked skill. And mm, I've added, and, yeah, and then there, and then the the. Um, Ability that I added called kit bashing. Um, they start with one rank inventor. Pretty simple. Nice. And that's nice. that's a second that's a second tier talent. So I gave him a, a ten hit po- a ten experience point hit on that because it's a second second tier talent. So right. All right. No, oh, makes sense. All right. Now we have the um, Tadarians. They're a green-skinned predatory race focused on surviving a deadly prehistoric era forest planet named Tadaris using their cunning. And these guys are based on um, the uh, the survivalist from the Inquisition setting. And um, oh, and Tadaris is Arabic for terrain. By the okay. way, <laughs> <laughs> um, so these guys—they're the cunning folks. So they have cunning of three, presence of one. Everything else is at a two, um, and then their wounds and strain are are balanced at ten plus brawn, ten plus willpower, respectively. Starting XP is ninety. Um, their beginning skills—they can either choose perception or survival. Um, natural instincts is there, is another ability. Once per session, they could spend a story point after making a skill check. If they do, they can re-roll the number of dice, not showing a triumph or despair. Oh, I didn't spell that out. Oops. <laughs> um, okay. A triumph or despair up to a number of dice equaling their cunning score. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, again, a once a session ability. And then they have Pack Hunter where they get to add um, two boost dice when assisting others. And I got that from, I believe the Twi'lex have that, or was it? Togruta. The code, yeah, the Togruta have that um, yeah. from Star Wars. So I figured that was, because, you know, they're surviving. They're I more, like yeah, they're more um, feral, <laughs> if you will. So, cool. All right. So the Thanks. next race are the Amazonians. They're a tan-skinned race, nomadic race, focusing on surviving a post-apocalyptic era desert planet named Amos, using their sheer force of will. And these guys are based on the dedicated um, archetype that I saw in the Something Strange setting, because this is a pretty—they have a pretty neat ability that they created for these guys. Um, these guys are willpower focused of three, cunning of one, everything else is at a two. And again, kind of balanced with wounds and strain. Sorry. <coughs> um, wounds are at 9 plus their brawn. Strain, 11 plus, plus their willpower. Starting XP is 95 because they're, one of their abilities is fairly situational again, too. Um, their beginning skill, um, either 1 in discipline or vigilance. And then nice. the focus ability, once per session, 
they could spend a story point as an incidental. If they do, they heal a number of strain equal to their ranks and willpower. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then um, their special ability, but it's a dry heat because <laughs> they live in the <laughs> desert, right? <laughs> um, they remove two setback dice in arid or hot environments. And that was Not, worth, yeah. to me, probably five XP. What do you think? Cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I, I know. Like that. I know. I'm kind of flying through these kind of quick, but um, but they're humans. Me. I mean, they're humans. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, we're, we're fairly common. We're fairly familiar with what humans uh, are. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I tried to capture these, um, and then the last ones. They are uh, the Rakanians. They're a purple-skinned noble race focused on winning the commerce wars on a futuristic-era city planet named Rakanus. Um, Rakanus? Rakanus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Going to have to change that one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, right. How about, how about just spell it Rakanus? Rakanus. With two yeah. E's? <laughs> yeah. Rakanus. All right. Instead of Rakanus. All right. Yeah, Rakanus. Wrecked them, damn near killed them. Which basically, <laughs> a r a k e n n u s is Finnish for a building. So, <laughs> so I figured city, whatever. Anyways, yeah. yeah, that's where my mind, how my mind works, right? Anyways, um, so these guys, yeah, they're the uh, they're the noble race. Um, noble, they have a a noble like countenance, um, if you will. Uh, they have a brawn of one, presence of three. Balanced between wounds and strain at um, 10 and um, 10 plus brawn, 10 plus willpower. These guys are based on an aristocrat from this core book. Um, XP of 95, because I added another ability in there for them. Um, they start with cool or negotiation because, the, you know, the you know winning the commerce wars, right? On this futuristic era city planet, right? I figured to give them negotiation there. Uh, the forceful personality, which we're familiar with. Uh, story point as an incidental, um, your next skill check, um, you can double the strain you inflict on somebody. Nice little, um, nice feel for these guys. I like that a lot. Um, and then their uh, noble countenance is their ability that I added. Um, they get an automatic advantage to all charm checks. And that's worth now, about 5 XP, I think. I think it should be two skills. An automatic advantage on just charm for noble countenance. Okay. Um, so do we pick? Do do you want them? Leadership to maybe? or negotiation? Yeah, charm and negotiation would be too, too good. I think. Or do we? Or do we do? Or do we do? Um, like uh, automatic advantage on two of the following skills, and there's a list. Or do? Nah. We, or just say charm, advantage we'll charm to charm, and negotiation. Since and nego- negotiation is true. is one of their beginning skill that could be a, a good benefit. There we go. Synergy. Perfect. I would love to see a Rakinian with the whole Zol Hokal going head to head trying to negotiate stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Yeah, so for so for this write up for the humans, not only did I want to create a different feel for just just a race, but I but I wanted to build in other eras areas for for we could build our setting on too, right? Right. So yeah. right here right room to flesh out some of our setting in there and I like that. Cool. Yep, good. Good. And of course, any one of these races, you don't have to be a this archetype to come from um, Rakinus, right? You can have like a, a laborer type if you want coming from them. But tip, these are, I picked typical um, 
archetypes from that you would see from these different planets. Right. So, and they're maybe the more com- so. Maybe the more common archetypes in Rakinus are, are the... Rakinians. Rakinians, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would be the, uh, the presence, uh, but there could be laborers. Mm-hmm. No, I think you did a good job. I like the rainbow skin colors. Uh, that yeah. was kind of cool. I uh, tried to match. I tried to match the colors with what the feel is. So purple well, is typically like noble, right? It's kind of a inadvertently. Noble color. Yeah. Inadvertently, yeah. all you did, with yeah. the exception of your emotions and their tan skin, mm-hmm. is you copied the dice of Genesis. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Green. <laughs> Red, blue, Wait. gray. Hmm. Well, already then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I did that on purpose. <laughs> yes, that's it. It's all planned. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Uh, no, I'm getting aside. I, you could, that's cool. Good job, Chris. Thanks, I mean, yes, very good. Thank you. A human is a very difficult thing to add some variety to, and I think you did a good job of that. Cool. Yep. Thanks, buddy. All right. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Go, Tony. Yeah, go ahead. All right, so I did uh, what we called the Torian Herds. Let's grab this section by the horns. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, come so on, let's move herds. it along. Come on. <laughs> the Torakesh. Torian, in the common tongue, are people of genetically engineered species bred for multiversal expansion and war. Designed by the Cedars, uh, an advanced race of enigmatic energy beings and genetic tinkerers. Torians have been uh, have strong herding and migratory instincts, accelerated birth rates, and an ingrown hatred for the Rikishai or the Hive Legions. And uh, you know, again, I wanted to add some elements to our setting there. Yeah, varied well breeds done. of Torian exist and excel at specific roles in their societies. Here are a few. So I kind of went a similar theme with Stefan. Uh, each one begins with their the race Torakesh, um, but then they have their own racial description. Or the Torakesh Minas, also known as the Minator. They are bullheaded, four-armed, and cunning. The Minas are the architects and crafters of Torakesh enclaves across the multiverse. Uh, twos in all their stats, except for cunning and agility. Uh, cunning is three, agility is one. Um, pretty balanced on the wounds and strain with uh, wounds at 11 plus brawn and strain at 9 plus willpower starting XP of 80 uh, reasoning being for that of course they've got some cool abilities I really like piled on the abilities on these guys Yeah. Um, so each one will have a beginning skill some of them have choices like Chris had some don't and these guys uh, they begin with uh, one rank in either skullduggery or mechanics Again, they're architects and crafters, um, trap makers, and so on. Yeah. Uh, now, every single one of mine will have a natural weapon. These guys have big, long bullhorns that give nice. them a natural gore attack, hmm. which will, of course, use their brawl. Um, does a damage of brawn plus one, has a critical rating of two, Ooh. and has a special of vicious two. Dang. So that's worth a little bit more XP. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. Next, the Minas have vestigial limbs. They have a pair of vestigial limbs that emerge from the front of their rib cage. These limbs provide additional hands for fine motor tasks and grant a boost die 
to any skullduggery, medicine, or mechanics checks. Nice. Also, they can be used to draw small items in combat, allowing the character to draw up to two items of one encumbrance or smaller as an incidental action. Makes sense. Uh, Masters of the Labyrinth. Once per session, Aminas may spend a story point to instantly become intrinsically aware of the layout of a single non-sentient structure and cannot get lost unless the layout changes. If the layout changes, they add two boost dice to checks used to navigate the structure. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Masters of those mazes, yep. <laughs> I saw the la- Masters of the Labyrinth, and my first reading was Masters of the Universe. I'm like, yes, E-Man <laughs> is a Minotaur. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I have Again. the power. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well done, sir. Next, we have the Torakesh Loxos, also known as Woolitars. These are the mammoth-headed, intellectual, methodical, and scholarly. The Loxos make up the thinkers and healers of the Torakesh enclaves. They are also long-lived, living double the lifespan of other Torians. Mm, cool. Uh, two in all stats, except for intellect and cunning. Intellect being a three, cunning being a one. Mm. Uh, very balanced wounds and, and strain with ten each, or uh, plus will, uh, brawn and willpower accordingly. Uh, starting XP of 85. Beginning skill. They choose any one knowledge at character creation and gain one free rank. Again, as with all the skills in all of ours, never yeah. can be trained beyond two. Mm-hmm. Um, their next item they have is a prehensile trunk. You know, if we, go back, the, trunk, if we go back to the beginning skills real quick, I mm-hmm. almost I almost kind of like all knowledge skills being career skills for these guys in a way. Because they're the intellectuals, they're the smart dudes, they remember... And that's it. Not even a free rank, but just all career skills. Maybe I don't know. Just the thought. I think I thought there was a. I thought there was a um, a species in Star Wars that might have had that. I don't know. For that's some reason, for some reason, it popped into my brain for that. We can maybe consider it, but yeah. that's cool. I like the one knowledge, obviously. I hadn't thought of that, but okay. So okay. the prehensile trunk mm-hmm. of the Loxos allows them to manipulate objects as dexterously as a third hand. Loxos may choose to wield a light melee or light ranged weapon with their trunk and do not increase the difficulty for using multiple weapons. Nice. As long as, so in either hand they would, but with their trunk and in one hand they wouldn't. Is that what you're saying? That's what you're saying here. Okay. Correct. (laughs) That's awesome. Or they could wield, say, oh, I don't know, they have a big rifle in two hands that they're using a long range and they're wielding a knife in their trunk (laughs) all right um cold weather adept remove up to two setback dice due to cold temperatures and treat their soak as one higher for cold based damage um and so to balance them out i kind of needed something just a little negative so we've got the lumbering pace loxos are always limited to one movement maneuver per turn they may still use talents or strain to take or to use other types of maneuvers such as aiming ah, right nice they can only move one per one, okay. yeah. Got it. one maneuver is covering ground moving because they have a lumbering pace mm, they like, slow yeah they are <laughs> lastly 
never forget. Once per session, the Loxos may spend a story point on any skill check to roll a knowledge check instead of the original skill. Sweet. Gotcha. That's cool. Yes, I remember how we did this back when. <laughs> so now they're just the pulling one. out they're just pulling on their knowledge and really all everything to right. do. I know how to pick that lock instead of still go. That's kind of why I went with just yeah. It's kind of why I went with not giving them all knowledge as, as career skills. I see that. Right. So, oh, all, right. Out. Mm-hmm. all right. Next one is kind of a nod to my northern brethren. <laughs> the Torakesh Amus. <laughs> That's right. Moose Tars. Moose Tars. Moose Tars. So the Eight. moose-headed, these majestically horned Torakesh are strong-willed and natural psionic adepts. Amus uh, make excellent leaders, law enforcement officials, judges, and serve as the moral compass of the Torian herds. A. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're morally better than. <laughs> All right. So they have twos across the board, with the exception of intellect and willpower. Intellect being a one, and willpower being their strong suit, a three. They're going to start with a lower wound threshold, eight plus brawn, but a high strain threshold to power those psionic abilities of 12 plus willpower. Beginning skill, just like our other psionic race, they begin with one rank of discipline. Oh, the XP because the XP is a little low. It's seventy-five. It's seventy-five, yeah. and that's going to be because, because they have three pretty powerful abilities, or two pretty powerful abilities. Yeah. After their majestic antlers, the Emus <laughs> yeah. antlers are large, imposing, and grant a boost die on all coercion checks. They can also be used as a natural bludgeoning weapon that does damage plus uh, uh, uses their brawl as damage is plus uh, brawn plus two. Has a crit of four, has a special of inaccurate one, but also concussive one. Right. They're big old moose horns. Yeah, they're great panache. Yeah. All right. <laughs> nice. Now come those psionic down. abilities. Mm-hmm. So the psychic abilities, we begin with mind shadowing. So the Amus may roll a discipline versus discipline check to follow the perceptions of other beings at short range. Successful check means the Amos perceives as if they were inside that being's head. Oh, interesting. So here's a question. They hear what they hear, they see what they see, they smell what they smell, and they can can maintain this for the entire encounter. I didn't put that part in there, but I was going to. You put these suckers, you have this discipline versus discipline against, what was that? The, um, The hive mind insect PC? Mm-hmm. To have like the three yeah. different, <laughs> that would be confusing as that, fuck. That, that would be a very confused emus. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing three different things. What the hell? And then their other ability is tied to their mind shadowing. So mind freeze once per session. An emus may spend a story point immediately following a successful mind shadowing check. Uh. To either make the effect last for a whole day, or to make the target enter a trance-like and easily manipulated state, upgrading all social checks against that person for the remainder of the encounter. So that basically, while they're 
they're inside someone's head perceiving their senses Mm -hmm. they could choose to spend that story point to either oh make them a little bit more manipulative Mm -hmm. or they can just hey i'm gonna link my mind to this guy's for the whole day gotcha now you when you say upgrading all social checks that means once upgrading the difficulty upgrading the their 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 own social checks against that individual making them susceptible more susceptible gotcha yeah you would upgrade his own their own social charm check for example okay so Mm -hmm. next Uh, moving on or me the the Torakesh Rhinek or the Rhinotars Rhino headed impatient and brutish the Rhinek are the most combat capable and warlike of the Torakesh they are known for making tremendous use of their horns in battle and strike an imposing threat when in a full charge. Sweet. So the Rhinek <laughs> gets a brawn of three and a presence of one and twos across the board. Wounds are 12 plus brawn and restraint is eight plus willpower. Starting XP of 80. The Rhinek begin with one rank and brawl. They're warriors. Yeah. Period. Okay. Sweet. Horn attack. The Rhinek have either one or two sharp and deadly horns on their snout. That's supposed to be snout, not snot. (laughs) That can be used as a natural weapon. Uh, It uses the brawl skill. Damage is brawn plus one. Crit three. Special is sunder. Ooh, that doesn't suck. I I almost kind of like these guys having a damage of maybe plus two. Yeah, I thought that too, right as I read it. I'm like, Braun plus two, actually. You know what? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense. I'll tweak that. Nasty. Okay, uh, Thick Hide. Rhinek increased their soak by two. Simple oh. as that. That's pretty good. And lastly, Ferocious mm-hmm. Charge. As long as the Rhinek has taken a maneuver immediately before rolling an attack roll with a brawl or melee weapon, he or she may spend three strain to add two damage and give the attack the knockdown weapon quality. Pretty That's good. cool. Yep. Now, uh, I see this horn attack on these guys, and mm-hmm. I also see the, the Musasaur antler attack too. I kind of like I kind of like these guys having like knockdown with the with the horn attack too. All the time. Well, yeah. Maybe. Well, see, the Musatars, theirs is inaccurate. It's balanced. It has two abilities. All the other ones only have one. But it's balanced with theirs because it has inaccurate. The Musatars? Well, and the yeah, concussive. Well, and the concussive ability, in my opinion, is probably one of the most. That's why the, I one of the most combat inaccurate. combat tipping effective. effective ones that you can. But but again, you know, knockdown is. It's it's a flavor. It's it's you still need to activate it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a thought. I mean, adding adding. The problem was is if I give their uh, their their attack knockdown, then their ferocious charge. It's a waste of my time to give it knockdown. Also. So oh, because I, you're using. Oh, oh, okay. What I was looking at the ferocious charge was. With the um, with the melee weapon. Oh, because you use brawl for the horn attack, don't you? 
Yeah, so you could use so you your horn attack okay. in conjunction with a ferocious charge and sounds give good. it knockdown. And then you have the knockdown. Okay, I got it. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Moving on. Moving so, on. And again, Excellent. they, I think Very they cool. uh, came out pretty well, well balanced, especially with oh, yeah. Brawl being the only skill available to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Pretty that cool. makes sense for that. Pretty All right, cool. next we have the Torakesh Elkin, or Elktars. Elk-headed, charismatic, and attractive... Elkin are the performers, negotiators, and leaders of the Torkesh. They also emit pheromones via their antlers that help them make and make them appear more amicable and attractive to those around them. You're into that kind of so, thing. So, presence-based. They're <laughs> going to have that presence of of uh, of three. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like all bardish-type guys, they have <laughs> not a lot of willpower. So, uh, willpower of one. Everything else is a two. Yeah. Yeah, I can resist uh, anything except temptation. Oh, it's moving. I'm going to go get it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it would be, these guys just remind me of the deer in my area, which seem to be always in rut, but whatever. Yeah. All righty um, then. Uh, <laughs> so they're beginning to your uh, Jeep. <laughs> beginning uh, yeah. brawn, or sorry, wounds is uh, 10 plus brawn. And they're beginning strain is 12 plus willpower. Okay. So a little out of balance there, but. Mm-hmm. I make up for that with the XP hit. They are 80 beginning XP. True. Uh, the Elkin begin with one rank in either Charm or Negotiation. And, again, can't train that beyond two. Antlers. They have an antler. Uh, Elkin have a rack of impressive and sharp antlers that can be used as a natural weapon. Uses the Brawl skill. Damages Brawn plus one. Crit two with the specials of Vicious and Pierce. One. Wow. Uh, nice. Night Vision. Elkin remove up to two setback dice from all checks in near and up to near total darkness. And lastly, soothing pheromones. By emitting a wave of pheromones, Elkin can affect emotional states of other beings. Once per check, as an incidental, you may suffer two strain to upgrade the ability uh, of a charm or negotiation check against a living being within short range. This has no effects on targets wearing breathing masks or using respiratory systems. So I basically copied that uh, from the um, the Feline in Star Wars. Okay. It's essentially the same. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the Elkin. Nice. Last one. So uh, the Gazelle, or the Gazir, <laughs> Torakesh Gazir, the Gazelle Tors. The Gazelle-headed Gazir are quick, agile, and are so attuned to the subtle changes in their environment that they, almost, they are almost impossible to ambush. Serving, as the Torakesh herds, serving the Torakesh herds for centuries as ranged combatants, drivers, pilots, and such, the Gazir tend to be seen as either cowards or maniacs, depending on the individual. <laughs> okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, so uh, they have a brawn of one and an agility of three. Everything else is a two. Got it. Uh, wounds is nine plus brawn. Uh, strain is 11 plus willpower. Mm-hmm. Starting XP of 90. Cool. Uh, beginning skill. Uh, Gazir begin with one rank in Vigilance. That's going to mm-hmm. take into account that uh, that uh, quick reflexes. Yep. Right. Uh, wicked horns. Uh, 
crowned with a pair of ultra-sharp horns, the Gazir used these as a last resort to quickly gore an enemy and retreat. Um, so they don't do a lot of damage. Uh, they use the Brawl skill. They have a Brawn plus zero damage rating. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a crit of two and the special abilities of accurate one, pierce two. Nice. For that deadly strike and retreat. Got it. I like now, it. Now the Gazir to fit in the cockpits of any craft that the the uh, Torian people may have, they tend to be small. They are silhouette zero. Very thin and mm-hmm. short. Right. And lastly, uh, prey instincts. The Gazir may use their agility for vigilance, for initiative instead of willpower, and may spend one strain for a, an additional maneuver in the first round of combat. This does not allow Gazir to exceed the maximum of two maneuvers per turn. So, only so in that one initi- strain, yeah, one strain in that initial round of combat. Gotcha. That's pretty good. Cool. So that's just basically, hey, I want to get the hell out of here. I need that maneuver to get to chicken shit range. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. GTFO. <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out. <laughs> now, the last thing I did, I said uh, a, a little bit of uh, racial tweaking is involved. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted these guys to be the experiments of a genetic uh, tinkerer yep. from way back when. And so I and did this little blurb at the end. Yeah, you've really captured that in this, in my opinion. Well done. So, okay, let's hear it. So we have the legacy of the Cedars. Since they were designed and released into the multiverse eons ago, the Torakesh have adapted to hundreds of differing environments over time. Also, as a side effect of their tinkered DNA, genetic abnormalities continue to appear in the bloodlines of the Torakesh that have absolutely nothing to do with lineage or environmental conditions. This is represented in our setting by the expenditure of XP and character creation only on genetic aberrations. A character may spend up to 15 XP worth of genetic aberrations, whether that is three minor ones, a combo of a minor and a regular, or one major, or none at all is up to the player. Here is a list of some suggested aberrations. GMs, feel free to add and remove some as you see fit. So I've got some five-point or minor aberrations. That would include low-light vision, which gives you a setback, a removed setback die in, in minor darkness. Heat vision, add a boost die to perception and vigilance checks in hazy or foggy conditions. Mm-hmm. Acute hearing, add a boost die to perception or vigilance checks when sound is involved. An olfactory upgrade. Add a boost eye to perception vigilance checks when smell is involved. Tactile sensory acuteness. Add a boost eye to skullduggery or mechanics checks when using your hands. Or trunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or trunk. <laughs> or a runner's gait. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically those retrograde knees. Add a, uh, add a boost eye when making athletics or coordination checks to navigate obstacles. Those are simple, very what? conditional five-point aberrations. Mm. Now we get into the regular aberrations. These are the 10 XP. First one, chameleon skin. So long as you do not move, the difficulty of anyone trying to see you when uh, you are hidden Mm -hmm. is upgraded twice. Nice. Next, we have water lungs. The character may hold their breath for up to one hour at a time. 
<laughs> they don't breathe underwater, but they're really good at holding on breath underwater. Nice. Next, second liver. The character may make an average, that's two purple, resilience check to immediately negate the effects of one alcohol or toxin as an action. Sweet. Good. Hidden limb. After a successful melee attack, the character may spend two strain once per encounter to hit with a light melee weapon held in this appendage, dealing the weapon's base damage plus any uncancelled successes. So basically, they've got a hidden limb that they keep tucked away, and every <laughs> once in a while, they can pop it out and stab somebody. <laughs> so, hey, the, the woolly tour has another trunk. <laughs> yes, a double trunk. Or, Whoa. <laughs> or maybe Whoa. the Moostar has a prehensile something else. You know? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> Is it bigger than a baby's arm? Now, now right, do, you have so. to ro- do you have to roll to hit? You have to roll to hit, right? Once uh, per encounter. Nope, Two after, a successful me- after a successful melee attack. With, with other weapon. weapons. Oh, okay. Spend two okay. strain, and you immediately hit with this, doing base damage plus uncancelled successes. From the previous, from the roll. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Okay, got it. Okay. okay. Uh, scaled undercoat. They may not wear heavy armor if they have this aberration, aberration just because it won't fit. Mm. Uh, but they increase their soak by one. So if they're a light armor wearer, they could very well take a scaled undercoat. Right. Uh, last one under the regular aberrations, bioluminescence. Mm-hmm. This character emits a faint soothing light that illuminates out to short range. It also provides those inside the light two boost dice on checks to recover strain. Hey, one one nice. go back. The scaled undercoat, would the rhinos, mm-hmm. the rhinoceroses be able to take that and get a soak of three instead of... That's natural armor. It's not heavy. Mm. I'm sorry, what? That's natural armor. It's not heavy. So you're saying yes. yes. This is on top of their... Stack. Okay, I was just yep. wondering. Just wondering. Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah, they've a... got scales on top of their tough hide, yes. Yeah. As, as a suggestion, instead of calling it regular aberrations, maybe like moderate aberrations? Yeah. I went with the theme of... Uh, and it, that's regular. great. I did think of that. But mm. I went down the line of, of the uh, favors from... Yep. Uh, minor, regular, and major. Shadow yeah. of the Beanstalk, which mm-hmm. are minor, regular, and major. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, like as far as aberrations, like regular aberrations. Yeah, yeah. They're just regular aberrations. Like everyone's got them. <laughs> anyway, it's just True. a suggestion for the name. It's just no. I think that I think now that you think now that you mentioned that. Yeah. I may go to moderate. I like that. Okay. Right. Last but not least, the fifteen point or the major aberrations. These are where the cool things happen. Uh, number one, fire breathing gain a range light attack that emits a gout of fire. It's a damage, just straight up damage of four, crit three, with a special of burn two. Simple as that. Uh, I didn't put the range, but it uh, it would be short. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Uh, Next, predatory maw. Uh, Gain a brawl attack for having an oversized mouth filled with sharp teeth. Damage brawn plus two, crit three, Special is vicious three. So you mean my my um, my moosasaur can have a gator yeah. mouth? Yes. Yeah. Telling me here. Yes. All right. Or shark teeth. Or Whichever. shark teeth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, wall walking. Nope. As long have as that. as long as he or she has one hand free and is barefoot, 
the character may traverse walls and ceilings as if they were walking on the floor. Um, just a slight tweak to the wording here. Probably bare hoofed. Bare hoofed. If you're uh, <laughs> yes. instead of <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Which unless, kind of brings me to the now, next one later on, but we'll get there later. Unless, uh, so. unless, and I had a question about this, are these aberrations, these genetic aberrations, only available to the Tarakesh, or would this be available to any of our other races, given GM approval, or whatever? <laughs> you know I, what I mean? would see some of these available for the Zol sometimes, you know, like wall walking. Wall, wall walking bugs. <laughs> well, I mean, that's totally up to you guys. Yeah. But uh, who knows what the cedars yeah, were up to? We'll uh, <laughs> continuing, uh, retractable claws gain a nasty brawl weapon that is a long set of long claws that are quickly retracted and hidden. Mm. Uh, brawl weapon with damage brawn plus one, crit two, uh, special pierce two. And uh, then a new ability that I added, which is hidden, when attacking with a hidden weapon, add two automatic successes. Ah, pretty cool. Cool. Okay. Uh, Next one, prehistoric horns. Your horns, or antlers, are replaced by a larger, more deadly version. Mm, Increase their damage by two. Reduce their crit rating by one. They also gain the inaccurate one or increase their inaccurate rating by one if they already had one. Right. So they get huge horns. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Huge racks on these guys. That's right. And the the last one. (laughs) Paralyzing antlers. Gain a poisonous resin that secretes from the tips of your horns or antlers. Anyone hit by a successful attack with them will immediately make a hard, that's three purple, resilience check, or take three strain damage. On so, right. just the tip, Tony? You said? <laughs> so, just the tips. Just the tips. Dude! <laughs> that's rock, man. That's pretty like cool. I said, yep. Like I said, when you started this section of this, this legacy of the Cedars, this really gives a nice flavor to what the Cedars have done. Mm-hmm. With the genetic manipulation and whatever, I like yeah. what you've done here, man. Well done, mm-hmm. well done on, on 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 this race as well. Yeah, all this three are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm not one to play like the animal type races or whatever like that, but yeah, I get a couple concepts, maybe a wall walking mm-hmm. mosasaur. Yeah. <laughs> See, who's I also sweet, thought who's got a sweet tooth. He likes maple syrup. <laughs> So I also thought, you know, what if that Wolatar wants to have tusks that are big and nasty, and that's yeah. why he can take that genetic ability to get those prehistoric tusks that do a yeah, crap load of damage. Dude. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so, that's cool, dude. Well done, man. All right. Very good. Okay. Well, that's pretty much it for the books of Genesis, folks. Now, it was a very long section mm-hmm. so we're gonna go over and have a quick advantageous threats we're skipping setting the tone yep and then we'll get out hopefully here, we can so. keep this under three hours for you all but you know hey you know you get what you can pay for right well, that's all it. kinds of good stuff <laughs> all right let's move on then all right cool
All right, welcome back to part three of this uh, show, uh, our favorite part called Advantageous Threats, where we build and dice pools and roll and educate the uh, sample dice skill checks for all of your entertainment. So, you know, you, you can laugh at us going, ah, I would have done it differently. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so today we'll start with Chris. What do you oh, got for us? Well, what I have is I have mm-hmm. my character, Rajendri Coffin, a Zemlian scholar. He's in a gunfight with a number of street thugs um, and more are arriving. So he's noticed that if he shoots like this control panel nearby, um, a large number of like timber will kind of fall and drop so that the adversaries, you know, give us, will give Rajendri and his buddies time to go, try and time to leave. Ah. So basically, what he's going to do is he's going to use his brilliant archetype ability, <laughs> which <laughs> allows him to use his intellect on a skill on the next following skill check, which will be a um, shooting his um, shooting a pistol at this, I don't know, rope holding this lumber up. Right, um, rope or chain or whatever. Rope, chain, whatever. <laughs> He's got a two agility, four intellect, and it's going to be at medium range, which will make this shot a... Um, and he has, like, one rank in, like, the range light okay. skill, so it'll be one yellow, um, three green, so that base pool of his intellect of four. Um, okay. Medium range will give him two purple, and because this is going to be an aimed shot, He's going to take the aimed maneuver. Sorry, not an aim shot, a called shot. He's going to use the aim maneuver and get two setback die for this. Gotcha. Um, And, you know, he's a smart guy, so he doesn't really have any other talents to help him out here. (laughs) His his brilliant ability is the best he could do. So that's what I've got so far. Anybody want to do anything to that? And I think... You know, maybe he'll he'll spend and you know two strain during this and remove one of those setback die to effectively really focus on the called shot. Right, a, dub- so a double aim called shot. Basically, a double aim called shot. Yep. Right. So I'm sitting with two purple and a setback die. With this. All right. Okay, and you said reinforcements are arriving, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he wanted to like drop. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. some of them are coming from more of a side alley and the may not be able to block those off i'd like to use that as a reason for a gm to flip a story point oh great idea right. great well done all right anything else mm, well i would say another setback but while you're aiming these other guys that are still shooting at you you're you still have bullets whizzing by. So, so heat of the moment, sort of, he's not yeah. necessarily a combat guy. He's a guy at chicken shit range trying to figure uh, stuff out. That's gotcha. right. So he's still flinching. That might, All right. you know, that works. All aiming. All right. That would be it for me. Okay. So, yeah. So I've got one yellow, three green, a red, a purple, and a two setback dice. All right. All right. So here we go. Let's see what we got here. Um, we have a, um, let's see, we have <laughs> one success, <laughs> one oh. advantage. Yay. There we go. One of the, one of the setback dice came up 
came up blank. So no. you know what? The whizzing didn't really. Yeah, no, the bullets no, whizzing by didn't really phase him. No, these guys are stormtroopers. Yeah, these guys are stormtroopers. They yeah, weren't buddy. anywhere close to you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, so one success, one advantage. Um, I guess you know. So the load of lumber does drop, right. and um, we'll say that it um, that it'll basically give the guys shooting at him, whoever's going next, maybe a setback die because of like maybe the dust that kind of kicks up. When yeah, the, even the guys, when the even the guys lumber, that are coming in from another direction, there's yeah, still lots of. Well, with just one advantage, I'd say maybe the next bad guy gets setback. dust in their eyes or something like that, and they'll get a setback yeah. die. Maybe that sounds good. Cool. See, I see this scene just taking place uh, near like a lumberyard, right? I so think so. Maybe there's a bunch of sawdust on the ground. When the logs okay. hit the ground, the sawdust yeah. kicks up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's in. Maybe it's in one of those. Um, you know, like one of those, you know, on a river where, you know, the yump lumber mm-hmm. yards coming through and yeah. Yep. Lots of yeah. ships dropping lumber off and picking mm-hmm. them up. And then they're like, hey, we need to go get our drinks at the Epsilon Eclipse. Let's GTFO. That's <laughs> it. So we're, we're got to get, get back to the tavern. <laughs> last, last one in has to buy the drinks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. All right. Just for it to be different, I'll go next. Okay. okay. So my character is one of the races I created, the Zol Hinol, named Hethal Ejin. She's a Mentari, so she has psionic powers. She's the moth like the moth people. Uh, okay. That was my next question. Who were Zol, the Hinol yes. again? Exactly. Those are the uh psionics moth like mystics. Sweet. And uh, she needs to help two of her friends across a chasm. By levitating them across. Oh. So she she can get over not a problem uh, later on, but she needs to uh Because of that fly broken them. fly ability you gave the Mothman. No. That's it, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's going to use her psionic ability based off of will. Mm-hmm. So she's got one green and three yellow. She's using augment to allow them to fly over the obstacle. So the base difficulty is two purple, and then it's plus two purple per additional target, which would give her basically six difficulty, but I think the maximum is five, so it could upgrade one of the purple to a red automatically. Doesn't doesn't um, doesn't additional target, it'll cost two, and that's you only spend the two, and then you could spend and then you could spend advantage beyond that, right? I think that's how additional targets work. Yeah, no, right, additional target and two targets, so that would be only plus two, right? Yeah, and then so so your additional target is somebody else and then if you have an advantage then you can get a third target and another advantage, no, she a has fourth to, target. Well, with advantage that could be added, but she if she wants to absolutely be sure to target, let's say, two it would be plus two Purple, that's what the chart says. And actually, I had written it as actually uh, getting three targets uh, across. So I'll keep it at three targets. So she's. Oh, so you're adding two difficulty. You're adding three three per extra target. Yeah, so it would be three targets total. So a base difficulty of two for the first person, Mm -hmm. and then another plus four difficulty for the additional two. But that's plus six. Does that That break the rules or no? I thought, yeah. I thought it was- uh, technically, uh, I believe it. If I remember correctly, I 
I don't have the book open. Six or plus five? I can't remember. It would be plus. It would be six difficulty if you just go by the number of dice. But since the maximum is five dice, one of those purple dice would be automatically upgraded to a red as the six six difficulty dice. Hmm. That's how I was doing it. So at least that's what I thought. Okay. And then she possesses an implement called the uh, the Amethyst Band of Power, like a ring, basically, a magic ring, which allows her to reduce uh, difficulty of augment, uh, an augment ability, by two. So For anything for it adds to augment? For just, for just augment, uh, for, for additional targets. Okay, gotcha. It reduces by two, so back down to four difficulty. It's still pretty, pretty tough for her. Yep. So that's my pur- that's my dice pool. Four purple, three yellow, and one green. Okay. Since of course so the it's red import- goes away then? The red will go away since there there's only four difficulty dice. Gotcha. Her uh, her amethyst band helps her uh, focus that ability for her. And I think uh, to be honest with you, I've I've adjudicated it myself before mm-hmm. on like other magic checks. As long yeah. as you have an implement, if you didn't have the implement, you would never be able to make this check. No, the implement not. actually is what makes doing this possible. Right. Because yes, while it would be six difficulty, that's mm-hmm. impossible with magic mm-hmm. as is. But because the implement exists and it automatically reduces it by two, I would let it happen. Right. That's right. generally, but that's- you don't have to have the the five plus an upgrade conversation right. at all mm-hmm. just okay but the reason why but the whole reason why we're talking about it being six is because you want to guarantee you're hitting two you don't want to because yeah. you can make this check at a at a at a um, just adding two to it right? well yeah if she gets lucky enough to get advantage but she's not sure of, of doing that so right trying to do it maybe because mm-hmm. she's pressed for time because those other goons that are firing on gotcha. uh, Regendry, he's... There you go. <laughs> so she needs to move the other two above, beyond the castle. It would be better. It would be. It would only be a two purple check if you did it that way, though, too, by the way. If it were, yeah, only two, only only on one target. But yeah, but she then wants you to make add, sure she gets two at, targets. But then your advantage that you could get, potentially. Potentially. Good. Gotcha. But... If she wants to make sure to hit those three targets, yep. do it this way. And I'll flip Sounds a story good. point to get four yellow. Nice. And four purple. Well, so. let's see. Well, I'm thinking that, you know, because you are going over a chasm here. Yeah. That it's going to be fairly dangerous. So I'm well, yeah. thinking the, 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 you're going to have to flip over one to make one of, at least one of red. At least one red, yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And I think to keep them in range, based on the narrative here, you're going to have to fly over with them as yeah. you're going. So flying and using your psionics at the same time, mm-hmm. I'd like to throw a setback die on there. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair die. enough. All That's right. True. Fair enough. <laughs> and since, you know, it's me and Stefan. Uh, nope. <laughs> here we go. Nope. Do the roll. Nope. Come on. Don't, I'm going to say no. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say yes, plus, yes, but, but I'm gonna say no. But you haven't seen, you haven't, you haven't heard the reason, the reasoning behind it. All right, it. here, let's I'm hear the reason. 
as for Abuza, because even though it's over a chasm, she's flying, there's still an updraft of warm air that helps her keep her aloft. <laughs> okay. And, you know, you could throw another setback die in there because there's an updraft, too, because it's a little, oh, a little, a little distracting. Yes, there you and. go. There you yes, go. Yes, and add, an, add a setback go. die. <laughs> so two setback dice and uh, a boost dice uh, added to all that. All right. So all right. Let's roll it and see what the damage is. <laughs> all right. Well, no despair. Bummer. Uh, two, two failures on the red dice. Uh-huh. So that'll cancel the two successes on that one. Mm-hmm. So we'll just keep going. So just see about real quickly. We've got threat, threat, threats, threats, lots of threats. Uh oh. Lots of threats. Uh-oh. <laughs> a couple of advantages. Well, not, not enough to cancel all of those. But we still have that one cancels that. Still have three successes, a triumph, and three threat. <laughs> so she does manage to fly over her two allies three allies in this case with her implement and get them safely on the other side do you though well, well, Do well, you well. though? I don't think successfully. So. You didn't. Uh, we didn't stipulate <laughs> safely. I mean, <laughs> I mean successfully well. levitate. That is yeah. sure. Now, whether they make it all the way across, <laughs> I don't well, know. I For they, three threat, though, Stefan. I didn't say they, they arrived intact. <laughs> they arrived on the other I side. I like the idea of three threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's used to using her telekinesis, her psionics. To yeah. throw objects. Yeah. Oh. She used a, a bit of the updraft a bit too much. So you think so it was gently... making them well. float gently across the chasm, she shoots yeah. them like freaking rockets across. <laughs> and when they hit the far side, each one of them's going to take three wounds. Yep, so. and, and will be prone. <laughs> As they come to a skid. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the... It's not the levitation that kills you. It's the sudden stop at the other side. At the end. <laughs> but I do have, but I do also have a triumph. So yes, you do. I would say, even though they land a little bit hard, uh, there's mm-hmm. some softer material to break their fall. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so there you go. So There's maybe those much more sawdust over there. <laughs> That's it. Just bags of sawdust to. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's right. To help cushion the fall, and there and there you go. So maybe a wound and a couple of strain instead. So whatever. Actually, three strain for landing in a sawdust, a pile of sawdust, yeah, head first, <laughs> right? And then they look up, and, and then they look up at Hathal and go, "You're paying drinks at the on the cliffs this time." <laughs> so Jabbar and Rajendri look up at, um, look up up. Up at Hathal and go, WTF, man. Yeah. <laughs> or Wu Man. Like, yeah. You're paying the drinks tonight. <laughs> yeah, WTF Moth Man. What the hell? Yeah, yeah you're buying the drinks. <laughs> there we go. All right. Epsilon Sour for me, of course. Yep. Yep. So there you go. Tony, what you well got done. for us? Okay, so my character, Jubar Dawn Mantle, nice. an Amus Psionic Adept, <laughs> will be using his mind shadowing power on an off duty town guard who's mm. paying an unusual amount of attention to the party's conversation at a local liquor store 
yeah, we're, we're stocking up. Well, yeah. Fireball. We got to get Fireball for the Epsilon Sours, right? I mean, yeah, Epsilon Fireballs. <laughs> so he's a standard, regular, run-of-the-mill Amos. So he has that three willpower. He cool. has two ranks of discipline. Um, so he's going to, uh, for his mind shadowing, it's going to be discipline versus discipline. And a standard town guard. I kind of looked them up. Uh, they just have that two willpower. So right now I'm looking at a two yellow, one green, two purple pool. All right. Now I'm thinking crowded bar. Me being noticed using my shadowing, mind shadowing, probably not going to happen. Can I have a boost die, please? Please. <laughs> yes. Sure, and no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that'll definitely be uh, appropriate. Yes, and it, you said a crowded bar. Yeah. Or a crowded liquor store. Sorry. Crowded liquor store. Gotcha. Okay. Um. I'm gonna. Say, I, I think I'd like to flip a, st- a GM story point here to upgrade it because this off-duty town guard is kind of on the lookout for us in some way. He might have got a. He might have got a description or something. Yeah, there's an a- and that's kind of why he's there. There's, there's an APB a- maybe on the. Uh, yeah. On us. Some there's a who moose. Just robbed a lumber yard. Yes, they, yeah, they just. Yeah, there's a smell of sawdust in the air. So it kind of led him here. You, <laughs> right? you heard a story about an emus, uh, a Hanal, and a Regenji entering a liquor store. <laughs> it was like kind of a end of a joke. It was kind of a three hour three hour tour to get back to the um, to get back to the yeah. Epsilon Eclipse. Too. Well, that's right. Um, yeah, that sounds so, that sounds good to me. Is that it then? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Straightforward like that. Guys, I am not upgrading my pool in hopes right. that I successfully can uh, pull this off. All right. So, uh, I'm going to end up with one yellow and one red die canceling out, one green okay. and one purple die that are blank, leaving me with one simple success and two advantage. Ooh. Pretty good. So, at oh, that nice. point, I'd say successful mind shadowing check. Mm-hmm. I am going to spend my story point right. to then <laughs> upgrade all social checks against this guard for the encounter as I turn to him and begin questioning the guard as to why they are following us. Ooh. Uh-huh. And there he enters go. into a translation. So you call state. a shotgun in his brain. Yep. Mind <laughs> yeah. freeze. And I think, and, and your advantage? <laughs> To advantage, I yeah. give myself a boost die on those first on that first <laughs> on that first check. check. All right, that sounds good to me. <laughs> another another way to use advantage might be uh, like narratively, you you glean maybe why he's he's interested oh. in the PCs. Maybe maybe oh, you yeah. glean maybe maybe you glean a um, like maybe one of his one of his motivations, yeah. which will help on further further uh, social checks with this guy. Yeah. There we go. True. After after round zero of the yep. combat check, <laughs> or I'm sorry, the social check, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. All right so simple, fun. simple, simple uh, uses check. of our racial abilities. I think that's kind of cool. I like yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. we all used one. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool, and all right, indeed. So I'm ready to go home, even though I am home, but I'm ready to. We're yeah, coming up on three hours. Close. Yeah, come <laughs> close this. Uh, Closes down the show. All right. All right. So let's I'm go put out. My butt to bed. Let's do this. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so now that all the punny talk has been done off air, <laughs> we are ending the show tonight with a shout out to the Wild Eye Podcast. They're the uh, dedicated to the um, to Savage Worlds um, by uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Um, they discuss everything from the rules and settings, everything in between, with uh, Eric Lamaru, Gary McCollum, and Harrison Hunt on there. Um, they have Patreon. They're on the Mayways. They're um, Nerds International members. Find them at thewilddie.podbean.com. Email them at thewilddie at gmail.com. And what is now available on DriveThruRPG, we kind of showcased it. Um, we had Eric on talking about it. Wise Guys, the Savage Guide to Organized Crime. I just received my printed version of it from the Kickstarter. Beautiful freaking book there, Eric. I know I said something to you on MeWe, but man, it is a beautiful book. You are should be pretty damn proud of it. Well mm-hmm. done, sir. Well done. Well, a lot of work went, in, went into that, lots oh, of research. Definitely cool. a work of love, and you can tell. You can definitely yep. tell. <clears throat> so, what else we got there, Stefan? Uh, then a few, uh, well, one reminder in particular, the NIVCON is still on. Uh, there's still a few games up there. Wait. The weekend of November 8th to the 11th. Mm-hmm. Go, uh, go out there, uh, link in the show notes for the, uh, the website to... Uh, no, either run a game, uh, post it there, or f- join one of the games that's on there. Yep, coming hey, up this there's Friday. There's a GM that's going to cancel his game if nobody signs up for it. Now, mm-hmm. I, it's not Genesis, but he's running Cyberpunk Savage Worlds. It's got to be good. Matt's a great GM. Oh, if yeah. you want to try Cyberpunk, he has done a lot of study in the Cyberpunk yeah. 2020. Mm-hmm. He studied the Cyberpunk genre. He's really tried to do a, well, a good job of putting that into fantasy grounds and doing a a, a cool adventure for Savage Worlds. What is he running yeah. at? Uh, Saturday evening. Really? Saturday evening. Um, I, might he, have to... uh, he, I know he's been reading Interface Zero, which is, of course, Savage Worlds' uh, source yep. book for, uh, for Cyberpunk. Yeah, I actually play-tested um, that for the guy, too. Yeah, he might have to move it to another day, even if it's not part of NIFCON, because his son, part of a football team, and they're on a winning streak. So Ooh, the nice. game might might overlap on Saturday. He's going to let us know as soon as possible. Okay. So there might be still a chance to get in on the game on another weekend. He's going to let us know. There's still a few spots available. Excellent. Yeah, so that's this but Friday, he's looking for November players, 8th. He wanted me to plug that for him. Oh, yeah, so, great. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Definitely. So uh, even if it's not that weekend, there might still be a chance to, to join. Let us know. He's mm-hmm. on the MIUI as well, Matt Stark, yep. uh, a.k.a. Frog Dick. <laughs> <laughs> nice, and and I'll have the I'll have the um well put the link to NivCon in the show notes. Yep. Um, so it's go. this Friday, November eighth, um, to the, the next Monday, the eleventh. I think there's some games mm-hmm. on the eleventh. I know I'm playing in Jamie's Legion game Sunday morning, and then Tony gaming with you Sunday night, mm-hmm. playing Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, nice. Okay, wait. All right, noodles. <laughs> so, if you have questions, insults, or comments, uh, please send them to mm-hmm. Gary McCallum at. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, it'd be uh, finding the narrative at gmail pot uh, at finding the narrative podcast at gmail.com. It hasn't changed yet. Somehow, I still can't get it. <laughs> um, finding the narrative is available on Facebook. That's me and Stefan. Uh, you can mm-hmm. reach all of us over at the the Miwi. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
great place to chat with us all uh, in our mm-hmm. own personal uh, chat thread there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Nerds International, a place to hang out and insult each other and 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 and, yep. uh, and all that fun that involves there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on Mayway. On Twitter, we're at FTN underscore Genesis. Stefan is over there to kindly, lovingly handle you. Um, (laughs) Handle the the tweets. (laughs) Nice. And, uh, yeah, we are still available. Podbean, YouTunes, YouTunes? YouTunes and iTunes. YouTunes and iTunes. We've talked too much. (laughs) iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, and Spotify. This is Tony saying, just shut the fuck up and keep rolling them bones. <laughs> this is Stefan saying, don't forget to ask for those boost eyes like I usually do. That's right. <laughs> and then um, remember the rule of cool. Make sure you have a wall-walking antler um, elk man at some point to yeah. just have fun. <laughs> so, good night, everybody. Good night. Peace. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.